The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once with, like, basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the show radio. This episode 640. I am your host, Andrew. Hey guys, and I'm Danny. And this is your source for tech, gaming, and entertainment news. We just finished watching the Mortal Kombat 1 announcement trailer. It is absolutely fantastic. Daniela, how are you? I am doing great on this Sunday. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a beautiful Sunday. So Mortal Kombat 1, uh, the announcement trailer, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, remakes and reboots that are happening still in the industry, which I love. I don't have any challenges with them unless, you know, that is done, you know, pretty poorly. But outside of that Mortal Kombat 1 announcement trailer, what did you think? I think ah, I'm very hopeful for this one. Well, uh, Mortal Kombat's been around for like ever. Well, we're going what on 30 years and now they're just kind of going to reboot it and you have this new timeline era thing which you can see how badass fire god Liu Kang is looking in there. Um, You know what these never ceases to amaze me is how like the fatalities. Right. It's just it always it's always like oh my god. Like yeah they they are known They've always been known for the, these these bloody things. I remember being a kid and just seeing on the news on how disgruntled parents are. But as a kid, I'm like, oh, my God, that's badass. And ever since then, even as a 38-year-old adult here, I'm like, that is still badass. This is still gruesome. Yeah, but I think we're in this new era of type of parents where, like, it's just a video game. But um, my thoughts on that, that kind of change later on um, on another game we're going to be talking about. But sticking with Mortal Kombat 1, I... Uh, that trailer was just too good. It was just too good. And I like that they were pretty quick to just kind of like confirm that, hey, Melina is going to be in here. Right. Here she is. She's in the trailer. You're going to get her. I know there was like some complaints for the Mortal Kombat community about bringing her into 11 and that came afterwards so to get that you know straight off the bat and you hear here's your confirmation you're gonna get her um i I just kind of want to know where this story is gonna go yeah so so even with the stories i think that you know for me mortal kombat has always been a game that i appreciate over the years even though i think i stopped playing it around uh, maybe four or five, you know, I tapped back in and somewhere around 10, uh, I saw 11, but never played 11. But I've always appreciated what they've done with the game, uh, even how they started incorporating, as you mentioned, like the stories 
uh, to make sense of how you're playing uh, the the story mode, right? So I've always appreciated everything that they've done over the years and seeing this particular trailer as you were sharing the amount of detail like of the characters and yes, it is a trailer, but just to appreciate what you may see in the game because sometimes, you know, you get a glimpse of uh, some of the things that are going to appear in the final product you know, in the trailers, you know, not necessarily CG all the time, but as you shared, Molina's going to be in there and, you know, the, the collaborative efforts between the characters as they do, you know, their mission to, you know, beat the final boss, whoever that may be, you know, that kind of vibe. So I think, you know, the trailers are great to uh, get us hype, you know, absolutely. But I do appreciate the amount of detail and even some of the story, um, you know, some of the story we kind of get in the trailer, right? The, 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 the temperature of what to expect, you know, outside of the gruesome stuff we saw with the, with the fatalities, but Mortal Kombat has always been a game I appreciated over the years. Yeah. And it comes out this year. It's only yeah. a few months away. It's not too, that's not too bad at all. And I think the, um, I think currently the, the definitely, uh, Confirm characters. You have Liu Kang, Scorpion, Sub Zero, Raiden, uh, Johnny Cage, um, Kung Lao, Kitana, and Melina. But then as a pre-order insensitive, you got Shang Tsung. So, and then, uh, obviously, you know, with these games, there's going to be, you know, their, their combat pack for extra characters and downloadable content that will come later. Um, but I think that's a really good startup line for, for the release day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing too is like, if you're a big fan, you already know this, but you, if you're testing the waters of Mortal Kombat in the near future, open registrations for upcoming online stress tests, uh, definitely uh, check into that. You know, you definitely have to have a WB account. And once you set those things up, you'll be able to uh, partake in that in the near future. So Mortal Kombat one uh, trailer is absolutely amazing. Uh, definitely uh, two thumbs up, you know, all the way around. Any final thoughts on that? No, no, I'm just, it's such a hype trailer. It really is. If you haven't watched it, go, go watch it now or watch it again. Yeah, exactly. So, so even with that, like I've watched it, uh, I think maybe this was my third time, you know, before we actually started recording and it, it gets better every time, you know, you see detail, uh, and things that you didn't catch the first time. It's, it's absolutely incredible. So, so that's one fighting game. Uh, the next thing that is out today, well, I should say this week, you know, is, uh, Street Fighter 6, right? Street Fighter 6 is available now. Uh, Street Fighter 6, uh, decided to, uh, take the RPG-esque element that most games are offering today and bring it into the Street Fighter, uh, you know, game, if you will, right? So 6 is out. It's getting a lot of great, you know, feedback. And if you, if you're into fighting games, uh, that's definitely one that's going to be on the radar for a lot of individuals. Um, I am, I am very, very impressed of how far they've come with the series uh, to, to even, you know, make it one of the games that you'd want to play in this day and age, right? It's not just a fighting game now. Um, it is, you know, something that has, you know, a lot of RPG elements to it, which is pretty fantastic. Any thoughts on Street Fighter 6, Daniela? 
I wish I did. I really wish I had some thoughts on it. I haven't played it myself and I haven't had the time to watch any streams about it. But, you know, my Twitter timeline is just people raving and loving it and the changes and the elements and just the like learning, you know, their favorite game again um, and all the different tactics, the frames, all, yeah. all of that. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it was definitely a surprise. Like even with the uh, the demo, I was able to check out the demo and I loved it. I loved every aspect of the demo. And, you know, you could walk around, talk to different characters, you know, fight, you know, different characters and things of that nature. You know, I did get a chance to use one of my favorite characters of all time, you know, Ryu. And, you know, got a chance to, you know, check out some of the moves, how he does the moves in this game. And I love it. And Street Fighter, the last couple of years... I love the series and it's one of the games that I I enjoyed playing in the arcades growing up. It's one of the games now that I actually wait, you know, for patches and some things to like, you know, get settled and then, you know, consider picking it up. I did the same thing for five, same thing for four, et cetera, et cetera. So I I just love it. I just love it. Anytime Street Fighter comes out, it is an honorary buy for me. I always get Street Fighter, no matter what's going on. So, so I think that I have every title between, you know, some of the previous consoles and except for six, which will happen. I'm, I'm sure in due time. So Street Fighter six available now. I definitely check it out. It is fantastic. And everything that they're saying about it right now is absolutely spot on. It is, it is amazing title and it is going to be one that we're going to have for a long time. It's in my opinion, because of the RPG elements that they added to the game. Any, any thoughts on, on that, on, on that take? So, so what are the RPG elements that they, they added on that they changed? The, it's, it's like Street Fighter has never been known like to just walk around, talk to different characters and then, you know, consider, you know, fighting them and grabbing uh, like a character's ability by visiting them as a vendor. Right. To use their abilities like after after you've mastered their abilities, you know, from the vendor, let's say the vendor is Chun-Li and you master some of her moves, your main character, your main avatar, they're going to be able to use those abilities, you know, in other places as they move around the world. Right. Street Fighter has never been known for anything like that. You see what I'm saying? So so now the fact that they have that, it gives someone the ability to be like super hardcore and play Street Fighter the way we've played it over the years. Just go to online and fight or, you know, stay in practice mode, get get your moves and then go to arcade mode. Now you're able to have like this chill vibe, you know, like walk around kind of like the Destiny. You just walk around and you just go here, go to another vendor, see what they're talking about and kind of like walk around the world. That's never been something that um, Street Fighter has had ever until this one. And I think that was absolutely necessary in my opinion to stay with the times because every game that we play now has an element where there's a high intensity mode and there's a a chill mode, right? However, that game formats it. So of course, you know, destiny is the, the main example for me. There's a chill mode where you can walk around or you could jump on, on the, your, your bike. I know they don't call it a bike, but sometimes I forget, you know what they call it. And you could just, you know, go around the world and just look at the scenery, right? Or you can decide to jump into PVP, right? Or you could do a collaborative effort with strikes, right? So there's different intensities in in the games that we're getting. And the fact that they added it in a game like Street Fighter 
a six and they did it well where people enjoy it is fantastic. So I think that's that's really what is a major change. And that's going to make the game last longer because people are going to be able to do different things with it. That's awesome because it's also another great um, way to tell the story. Um, The lore, however way you want to put that, but also to keep players in their game. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing to keep players in their game. Uh, for an extended period of time. I mean, we're still talking about, um, and I think Destiny is the main example for me, started playing it in 2013 and we're still playing it, right? I played it at, as recently as last night, right? So it's like, how does that happen? Well, evolving world, you know, different, you know, packs, you know, different, you know, seasons and things of that nature. And Street Fighter has had seasons, you know, in previous titles as well. Things will change, you know, uh, cosmetic things will change and maybe things you'll be able to do in the world will be updated over time. And the fact that they have that now, even though they've always had seasons, is, uh, you know, it's a breath of fresh air for for a lot of folks. Yeah, and it's not just a breath of fresh air for like, you know, the, the already established community for Street Fighter. But to introduce like the RPG elements for people who typically don't play it, right? Don't play fighters to have this newcomers having it and introducing it to them in that way that you know people are comfortable with and can enjoy it in their own way. Yeah, and and even the the button system where you can use um, one button to do like the actual special move or. You can play the classic way and actually do the motions to do the thing. So it's bringing in, you know, new players who are trying to understand how the game is played with the timing and stuff like that. And as you shared, you know, it brings in the seasoned players who know exactly what to do. And they're just learning the 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 technical uh, systems that are in place with Street Fighter six, you know, to be, you know, a better character. Right. So it, it's a lot. And it's, uh, it's it's exciting for Street Fighter fans. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for you. Yeah, it's it's really dope. It's really dope. And it never ceases to amaze me what we spend time on. And I'm like, nah, we're probably not going to spend too much time on this particular bullet point. And I didn't think Street Fighter 6 was going to be the one. But that's just that's just how it goes, right? That's just, that's just how it goes. So, so yeah, that's all good. Uh, the Witcher. Okay, so The Witcher 3 has sold 50 million copies, entire trilogy, over 75 million your your thoughts on that the well deserved story in game i mean it's not quite up my alley specifically because i i can't put as much time into those games as it deserves but with you know the tv series i'm sure it attracted a lot of new players too um and season three of the witcher coming out later on this month i think Mm. So I'm not surprised. No, I'm not surprised either. Um, just everything that is in that world. And I do agree. It's there's only so much time that you can spend on the titles unless you have like some chart or some calendar where you're like, OK, this is how much time I'm going to spend here and there. And you have a system for that. But The Witcher 2 is a very, very, you know, large game. Right. And a lot of the games that we get these days, you know, tend to have a lot of playtime. So. So yeah, I, I sh- shout out to them for sure. 
right? I did watch the Witcher um, series. I don't know where I'm at right now, but I've enjoyed it. It's been really, really good. And looking forward to additional updates to that. So that's where we are with that. Um, we, we could have tied in the controller or the arcade stick with the Street Fighter thing, but I'll touch on that real quick. Definitely want to hear your thoughts on it. 8-Bit Do has been amazing with the things that they've been creating by way of peripherals. So now they have an Xbox licensed arcade stick for individuals who like arcade sticks, right? So it's a wireless and it's customizable, extremely customizable. I'll say that. I think the price on it is $119.99. It comes in a white version or a black version, and it looks absolutely amazing. And it's 8-bit do. Thoughts on that? Yeah, they just have great controllers. So I'm not... I'm not going to be skeptical about this one. I like that it's a clean, simple design. That is, that is number one for me. It comes in black and it comes in white. And I love this monochromatic look to it. It's just simple and clean. If you're a minimalist type of band where you're like, you know, your home, perfect fit. Absolutely. Yeah. It looks amazing. And I definitely want to try. I think at one point they had one of their controllers for about like $34.99 or something like that. Just like an entry point to their controllers. And I know that, you know, they know what they're doing because at this point they're like a household name, right? So getting an entry point into their controller world for about 34 bucks or whatever and, you know, appreciating what they've done, it's easy to like navigate with some of the other things that they've created as well. So, uh, Abadu doing fantastic work. As always, and if you are hearing this for the first time, they do have an Xbox licensed arcade stick, and that is about $120 wireless and fully customizable. Uh, well, I'll say customizable to be safe. You know, I know how the internet is, but definitely check it out and you'll see what, what's going on there. Uh, next thing that we have here Konami confirms Kojima not involved in Metal Gear Solid Delta. Snake Eater. Uh, thoughts on that, Daniela? So they announced Delta during their showcase, which you know that is always a big thing to to consider if Kojima is going to be a part of it or or not. Which they 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 cut ties. We know that, but you could always be hopeful because what really is a Metal Gear game without Kojima? He's always added. Um, you know, his own little bit of flair and comedy into his games that sometimes when you're playing it, like I remember the first time I, I ever played a Metal Gear game and you're just wondering, like, are you, is this part of the game? What is this? And it's like, it, it's silly. Then you grow to, to love that type of comedy from him and that he's always introduced into his games. So part of me is really hoping in, in Delta that they have that still. I mean, he he created this amazing series for them. I mean, you can at least pay some type of tribute to it, to him, um, that I hope that they they still keep in their games to kind of, I I don't know, I I can't picture a, a Metal Gear game without that type of little bit of I guess comedy in it because it is a very serious type of game, but it's not at the same time. Um, I am really stoked that they're bringing back the entire cast. So you have David Hayter coming back as Snake, which is awesome. 
but I, I don't know. Just it's a Metal Gear without Kojima just feels so off. Yeah. So as fans, right? As fans, definitely it feels off. And I think that, um, and I, I may be speaking with a lot of ignorance here when I say that the, the way business is done in Japan is different than a lot of other places, right? And especially when ties are cut. And there, there was a, I guess a soap, a soap opera esque type of environment surrounding uh, how he left and how they treated him when he left. Right. So I think because of that, I don't necessarily see them actually, you know, saluting or paying homage to the work that he did as an employee for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is kind of uh, weird to say that because we see a Kojima now as well, even, you know, for a long time now, I'll say that as in a, a giant, right. But a lot of the work that we've seen through the stuff that we enjoy today, whether it's the music or the different aspects of certain games or the, you know, the voice acting and things of that nature, a lot of those things, as you know, are like contracts and they, you know, these individuals because of their ability to perform so well, those contracts get renewed for an extended period of time. So we can think of any, you know, voice actors that we appreciate today and anything. And the fact that they get the amount of work that they get, which, and I know this could be controversial. I can't even say the word, right? Some people like, you know, certain individuals in the, in the limelight when it comes to voice acting, like when you think the a last of us or, um, you know, Cade, you know, from destiny or, or any other characters, uh, Troy Bakers and, you know, I think Laura Bailey, that's her last name. I'll make sure I'm getting that right. Is it Bailey? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you think of certain characters that are a voice acting, they have, you know, extended contracts, you know, if I'll say it as that. And some people may not like that. Right. And as fans, we've enjoyed their work, but, you know, sometimes moving on and how things move on may not be the way we like it. And I think that when I think of the Kojima situation, it was like, it wasn't messy, but it was like weird in a lot of ways, right? We saw Jeff Keighley, you know, showing love and, and how uh, Kojima showed up on stage that one year and all that stuff. And then we're like, well, what's really happening uh, behind the scenes? And we, we never really got to know the full, you know, picture of what happened. Unless you're like a, a super rabbit hole person, maybe you have more context than we do. But uh, I do agree that these individuals who have shaped in so many ways. So, so case in point, I remember Black Oni when he saw the trailer because he had a reaction video on his IG where uh, Snake Eater has shaped his artist, uh, you know, journey. Right? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So he's shown, you know, of course, you know, you see the reaction videos, you know, those uh, those reels and stuff like that, and we're watching him watch the video as we're watching his video. Right. And his excitement for the game was just like off the wall. I'm like, why is he so excited about it? And then, you know, you kind of wait to hear, you know, the, the context and the context is like, Hey, you know, this shaped my artist career. And I didn't even, I thought I was like, wow. Right. You know? So I think that, you know, for us, these, these individuals, these, you know, contractors, these artists, these, you know, composers, you know, these game developers, they're larger than life. Right. And I know that's a rant. I'm going to stop there. Any thoughts on that? 
No, no. It's like I agree with you on all aspects. Um, as fans, we we are skeptical about those things, but it doesn't. As a gamer, it doesn't really change that. You're excited about it to go back into this world and see what it is that they do, what they take away, what they add on, because it is a remake, and we, you know, Resident Evil is a great example of. You know, you love the original series, but then they've been remaking them and just you're falling in love with them all over again. And even though you don't want them to change the memories you have with the original series, you're building these new ones because they just did a fantastic job. And Konami does have some really great games. So it's just getting over that hurdle of like, okay, Kojima's not in it doesn't mean it will be bad. Right. Right. And, and so, so even staying with Kojima for a second, I know for, for a while he, he has a podcast where he was documenting, you know, different pieces of the gaming industry as well as his journey. I haven't checked on that recently, but I know that's out there. So if you're listening right now, uh, Kojima does have a podcast that he does. And I believe you can find it on Spotify as well. Uh, so definitely check that. The other thing too is the, I don't know. How many games did you play for Metal Gear? I think I, I skipped a few. I did play five, though. I did one, two. Two was my favorite. I didn't really do the threes that much. How many did you play? Four of them. I played one and two consecutive, after one after the other. And I think I did do Snake Eater. And then oh, what was the last one I played? Did you play five or I probably didn't check out five? I played- I want to say I did, but I'm not kind of considering that because I never really finished it. Okay, that's I fair. Which one? Yeah. <laughs> so five-ish, maybe? No, I'm going to go with four. Okay, you'll go with four. Yeah. I mean, great series. Great series all the way around. And Kojima, anything that he does, we're excited for because of the, the body of work that we've seen throughout the years. So uh, that's what's going on. There. So uh, I think let me scroll up here real quick. So, so that was the snake eater bit there. A controversial military shooter, six days in Fallujah releases in early access next month. Um, yeah, we've had pushback or delays in, the, in this one for a very, very long time because of the battle that it actually surrounds. Any thoughts on this? So even though I said like, okay, violence and like modern combat, like, that's cool. That's also fake. You like if you're you can't do those things. <laughs> so to that that aspect, I'm like, it doesn't bother me because those are really highly unrealistic fatalities. Mm. But games like Six Days in Fallujah, nah. <laughs> I don't I I really, when it comes to shooters, I feel be like, you know, those call players who do those 360 no scope snipes, like who's doing that? It's unrealistic. That doesn't bother me. Um, But uh, especially in this article where it promises to be in quoting from the article, highly realistic first person tactical shooter developed with help with more than a hundred Marines and soldiers who served in the second battle of Fallujah, as well as more than two dozen Iraqi civilians and soldiers. Why, 
why do we have to create a game that is a more realistic shooter? Like that, that, I don't think that's necessary. Um, mm. Like I was seeing this trailer footage of a game that looks super realistic that I I cannot remember what, what this development of this game was supposed to be, but it was basically, um, as I watched it or seen it reposted and there's like more information that's being tied to it that people found out. Um, when I first saw it, it just, it looked like, you know, really hyper realistic footage of a game, which ended up being like his body cam and you're playing an officer. And I was like, why? Yeah. And it, it looked very, very realistic. And I'm like, that, that's not needed. Like, what are we trying to say here? And I really don't like being in that camp of like, oh, video game violence, you know, creates real world violence and stuff like that. And tying those two together, I've never liked that. But when you're creating games like this, that is realistic, that has um, more real world situations of like what you can do. Like, I don't need active shooters. <laughs> mm. Our our country doesn't need any more of that. Why are we essentially giving a practicing tool? Yeah. Okay. So practicing tool is interesting, but go ahead. I got some thoughts for <laughs> yeah. you. So, and I, I don't know what it is. I know that oh, in one interview, the, uh, I, I'm just going to say no to this. Yeah, okay. So but fine. I, you know, the publisher, the boss publisher, Victoria said that they, the game wouldn't be making a political statement, but then they made a really quick U-turn after that and said it would be inseparable from politics. Mm. That, mm. Why? <laughs> so That's my thoughts and frustrations. No, I appreciate that. So what's interesting about this is like we have simulation game or we've had simulation games in the past, right? I think the army had one for a long period of time. I don't know if they still support it. We have, and we've talked about this in the past, like we have the racing simulators that you can learn a lot from. Right. And even, you know, for if you've ever worked for and I'll just speak generally here for a government um, defense contractor by any way, shape or form, they have simulation things in there as well for, you know, the aircraft stuff and how you're supposed to interact with those things before IRL. Right. So simulation thing is, is not um, is not foreign. Uh, to us in any way, shape or form. I, I, and I guess I haven't really fully thought out like how I feel about it. I think Call of Duty is, is pretty realistic on what we're actually doing. And people have been inspired to do things because of that. I'm not saying it's right, but we have had people in, be inspired by titles like that, that, that are semi-simulated. To, to do things and even titles like the, the driving ones, right? The Gran Turismo's that they've been inspired to, to drive and be better drivers and have become, you know, somewhat 
uh, skilled because of what they've learned from those simulations. So, so is, do we need another one? No, we don't need another one because we have plenty of them already on the market, whether it's private or public access to those things, right? But this game has been delayed for how many years now? I don't even, I lost count. 18 years. They've been delaying this game for some time. Like, is it going to look like an up-to-date title from what we have right now with the what would be considered realistic titles like a, a Call of Duty, if you want to consider. And I'm putting that in the camp and it may not even be fair. So so if you're just if you're listening to this, just hear me out. Right. The the mo- the closely uh, the the most, you know, realistic title that's a shooter right now. Which one would we say that are that are pu- publicly available right now? Will be the top two, Call of Duty and Battlefield. It will be Call of Duty and Battlefield, right? And I think that those are simulations in them themselves, the way you actually play them, right? So I don't think we need another one. I think that when we get titles like this, the the actual life of it when it when it's out doesn't usually seem that long unless it has a lot of animation to it, unless it's animated, more animated than realistic. And we've seen that time and time again throughout, you know, the history of our gaming that most of the realistic stuff we don't tend to play, which is why a lot of companies make the arcade versions of it. When you look at Forza and, you know, the other Forza, there's a realistic one for that market. And there's also one for the the arcadey market. If the companies didn't do that, if one company did just a realistic one and another did both, the other company will definitely be capturing more market share because they understand that not everybody's trying to play a game like that, right? So I think there's different layers to it when it comes to a game like like Fallujah. And I don't mind being wrong when I said what I said in regards to the shelf life of that, or the, the life cycle of that, shelf life isn't correct here, of the game may be shorter because of what they're trying to market to us as why we should buy it. And we buy games for different reasons now, not necessarily for their realistic factor. And I'll stop there. That is true. And yeah, simulations hasn't, has been around for a lot of things. I think if they're trying to create a game like this, because it's also their, their huge, their biggest thing is to ensure that the combat is realistic whether that be procedural generation of buildings um, and, you know, AI to mirror insurgent tactics so that players kind of get a new experience and not know what's coming at them each time they play. I feel like, okay, so there was America's Army, which they was kind of like a recruiting tool as well for um, the U.S. Army. Um not the greatest shooter. I had to do a paper on that uh, in college. But, you know, I understand the need for simulations or games of that type in private sectors um, to train. 100%. I, I agree with that. I understand that. But to have it available to the masses, like, yeah, okay, some people don't, but like, maybe the masses don't really care for those types of things. But those that kind of have a way of I don't want to be Miss Negative here, but who, I don't even know if there's a, a polite way of saying this, um, who are currently struggling through something 
that kind of find enjoyment in realistic situations of there and have fantasies about shooting. Mm. <laughs> um, this, this I wouldn't want out there. Like, I, I, I think that's just my personal opinion. I'm not, uh, and l- let's be clear. I'm not, I'm not anti-gun, but I'm not pro-gun. I'm like, if you got one, you're responsible. Okay. I was raised with guns. Um, I don't personally own one. I don't feel like I need to. Um, but in the state that our country is in right now, personally on that, that aspect is certainly because they have already stated that this game will be inseparable from politics. Um, I just don't care to have this game out there personally. Mm. And it, it's like, I don't have a problem with any other shooters, but a game that's purposely being developed for this. And this is going to be kind of like their little niche thing that makes them and separates them from other shooters that are available. I don't know. Not, not my thing. Not my thing that I, I would care to have my kids play. Especially since like this is going to be, it's not like it's going to be a solo experience, I guess, unless you're playing with just a bunch of randoms, but it is really pushing, you know, cooperative play. Um, yeah, I don't think I need um, somebody who's struggling through things and have a fantasy and fascination um, with guns, teaming up with other people who have that same thing and feeling confident like we could do this. Mm. And that is like probably as far as my negativity on that one goes. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting one. We may have to re- revisit that, you know, at some point. I think it's an interesting, you know, conversation. I haven't seen footage of the game at all, even when they were, you know, preparing to release it and it got delayed. I haven't really seen much of it from what I recall. Nothing that I remember. But I definitely uh, think that we should revisit this conversation when. We see stuff that, that are new and up to date, you know, this year of what's happening and, you know, have the conversation around this title in the near future. So that's what's going on there. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart coming to PC in July. And I'm going to connect the other bit of news as well uh, to it. Yakuza developer announces summer live stream set for next month. Any thoughts on those two things? Crash and Clank still is not my thing either. I don't know what it is. Everybody loves those games, and I'm like... It looks beautiful. It's a beautiful game. It, it looks beautiful. I'm not saying that it looks bad. It's just never really been my type. Same thing with, with, with Spyro. I don't know. Falls right into there. Yeah, not, I, not I, you I hating on Spyro. <laughs> what it is about, about those games, and I'm like, eh. I always pass on them. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, summer live streams... A Yakuza developer, you know, I'm sure we're going to get additional live streams. We're in that month, right? Around, around yeah, this time. So formerly known as E3 month. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're going to look forward to the things that are happening. Um, I like Yakuza titles. I've played a few of them. I think they're amazing. Uh, storytelling is absolutely, you know, fantastic. So looking forward to seeing what they're going to do there. Yeah. And absolutely, absolutely fun. And so even, you know, we were talking about Street Fighter earlier, when I think about the Yakuza type of, you know, running around and interacting with people, it wouldn't surprise me if Capcom was inspired by that. And that kind of, you know, gave them the, the juice to make what we know as Street Fighter 6 today. So wanted to throw that in there. 
So that's what's I'll, I'll definitely watch that one because it's Yakuza. I haven't yeah. played them all yet, but they're really fun and I want to. They think they're silly, but in like the best way. Yeah, they're, they're amazing games. They're amazing games. So if you are a fan of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, you can watch the first season for free on YouTube. Any thoughts on that? That's awesome. It I, is. I don't know when the last time I watched Star Trek, though. Yeah, it, it is. It is pretty awesome. The, the recent Star Trek uh, that was behind the uh, subscription model for a while, I think I tapped into that uh, a few uh, a few episodes, which was really dope. Um, having their buddy to you know check this out as they hopefully get ready for. And I don't know. I'm not following that particular world if they're pre- uh, preparing for another season or not. But that's kind of cool. Uh, marketing to drop that on YouTube and you know YouTube is a great platform to have videos readily available to watch so so I think that's dope indeed indeed uh, next thing we have uh, Capcom wants you uh, to choose what Resident Evil it remakes next so so I have mine I want to hear yours first and then we'll talk about that uh, before we wrap Sweet. We kind of almost agreed on it before. <laughs> yeah, we did. Because the first game that came up to, to my head was Veronica. Absolutely. Absolutely. Co Veronica was was one of my favorites. And of course, you know, you never forget the first one when you walk down that particular alley and then the, the zombie is, you know, eating <laughs> eating and turns around and looks at you. You never forget that scene. That scene is gonna go down in history, right? Of course, Resident Evil Two, where you had the two CDs, then you had Resident Resident Evil Three, where you're being chased all the time, so that was the tension in the game. Resident Evil Four, I don't even remember Resident Evil Four like that, but Co Veronica is just really, really dope. So I'd love to see that. Any additional thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that that one's definitely um, the first one that came to my mind. Um, I think I can hold off on saying anything for five or six, which just seems like they're just kind of going in order there anyways. But yeah, definitely Code Veronica has to, has to be on that list. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely agree. So, so Daniel, I think we're, we're at the end of episode 640. I want to hear your thoughts before we wrap. Uh, I didn't plan to do this and I like the spontaneity of, of our show of our show, right? And I want to hear your thoughts on your experience the last uh, 300 episodes. And I think we'll, we'll wrap on that. You know, I, I appreciate you. You know, I think we're making an amazing team. I'll say that. And the mic is yours. I was just thinking about that the other day too. Um, it's been quite a ride. And I'm so glad that you chose me to go on this ride. Um, it's funny because I think the other day my Facebook memories like popped up on the snowball bike that you, you sent me all those years ago. And at that time and feeling so confident about what I wanted to do as a content creator, even though kind of that, that title didn't really necessarily exist like it does now. Like there were content creators 13 years ago, 12 years ago. But I don't, I wouldn't say that they really called themselves that. Like, if you're creating content, it was primarily and most likely on YouTube. So people think, I'm a YouTuber. 
And then you had Twitch that came along and then, you know, gaming podcasts really building up that momentum. And like at that time, I felt so confident about this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go because this is what I'm passionate about. This is what I love. Right now, I like going through that and joining you on this journey. I've gone through so many different, I want to say growth first, but changes about what it is that is in my ideal about what I want to do. And you've always been so incredibly supportive about everything that I've done and tried or um, <laughs> put out for. That has definitely built my confidence and being able to uh, just speak to people and just understand that sometimes you get turned down and it's okay. And, and the people that I've I've met and none of that would have happened if it wasn't for you to to bring me along for this. So it's been definitely great. And and just to see where I'm at now, which as of as of late, I really have not been generating um nearly as much content or any at all. I'm really trying to figure out like what is it that is me? And I think I'm just trying about a bunch of different little things. And a lot of that is just like behind the scenes. Like, can I, can I keep up with this? Can I, is this realistic for me? And having those skills built up over the years with you to, to do that is something that I don't, I don't know if I, I really would have had without the show radio, without you. Um, that has been such a blessing. So I am, I'm very, very curious to see where I end up like 300 episodes later. I love that. No, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you so much. I wouldn't have it any other way uh, to when I look back at, you know, the first hundred, second hundred, you know, there were um, moments where I wanted to have someone with this journey that didn't agree with everything that I said. I think typically, you know, when uh, this could be a long rant, but I, I don't want it to be. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way um, because I remember testing, you know, some some different episodes with other folks and it just the the, the chemistry was not there. And um, and I knew that, but I, I tried to see if it was going to happen. But I think that as soon as we started recording uh, together, it was the natural of, you know, supporting each other on our separate platforms to. Uh, talking about similar things to um, having you as a guest to, um, you know, reactions, conversations of different topics. And then finally, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to ask you, uh, would you want to come on and let's just see where it goes. And here we are 300 episodes later. So I'm grateful for you. I'm blessed to have you. I, I believe you spoiled me in a lot of ways. Uh, we agree on a lot of things that we don't necessarily talk about and it naturally flows through the conversations that we have on the podcast. So, um, so yeah, I appreciate you. Oh, I appreciate you. Yeah. So, um, our, our only, our only hurdle that we struggle with sometimes is the time difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we'll, fig so we'll figure it out. That, that is like compared to like a lot of problems we could possibly have. That is super minor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, no fights, you know, uh, we hardly disagree. If we do disagree, it's it's on a podcast about, you know, different topics of, of things of that nature. But in terms of like life and and, you know, just 
finally being able to meet each other at, you know, the events and stuff like that and having conversations. And yeah, it's, you know, I am super, super grateful and blessed um, to have you as a co-host. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Uh, so shout outs to y'all for hanging out and listening to us. And this has been episode 640 of the show radio. And Danielle, where can I find you? Uh, you can find me on my social media at Miss DJM. And Andrew, where can they find you? You can find me at Uriah, U-R-I-Y-Y-A. And that's it. And until next time, take care.